Yo, everybody, the Ednium Podcast is back live and in action. Uh, my name is Trey. I'm excited to be back here with you all. Uh, a lot of great work has been happening with Ednium and the Alumni Collective, uh, with the district, and all the things that you've been hearing me talk about on this podcast. Uh, seems like they've real got a line of sight to, to becoming and getting accomplished. Um, I hope you all have been thriving as well. And uh, we're back with something I'm really excited to be able to provide to you all. Uh, as some of you all know, there's a school board election happening right now for Denver Public Schools. There's four seats that are open, an at-large seat, uh, District 2, District 3, and District 4. There's about 13 candidates that are running for, for school board this time around. And, uh, you know, this is the second time I've been able to kind of observe a school board election process. And I, I got to tell you, uh, very often they become messy. Uh, they become toxic if I'm being real. Uh, we forget that the people who are running for these seats are running for an unpaid position, something that requires a lot of time, uh, that, that is a lot of pressure. And uh, we forget that these are human beings uh, first that care about our community and care about uh, what's going on within our schools. And what we wanted to do was to sit down and just have a normal conversation with as many of the uh, of the school board members as possible. Uh, so we reached out to every single one and invited them onto the podcast. Our goal was to be able to have a, a conversation for each individual uh, board race that's taking place. And uh, this first one is for District 4. Uh, and we were uh, very appreciative of Gene Fashaw and Michelle Quattlebaum. Uh, who came in and sat down with us. This was our first group interview, so we're still figuring out the production side of it, the sound side of it, but I think it's uh, gonna add a lot of value and give you some insight into who these two candidates are. Now, I wanna make it very clear, I'm not here to tell you who to vote for. I highly encourage you to go and look into all of the candidates that are running for this race and all of the races that will be uh, highlighted in this series. Uh, this is more so to show that we can have a real conversation um, we can demonstrate that we could be civil and actually be able to um, kind of put on display the fact that we agree on more than we disagree in this whole splitting us up into camps, especially people from our communities uh, who are trying to do some good uh, here at home, um, that we can overcome that and that we can get to a space where we're no longer distracted by the politics of it all and more so focused on how can we collectively provide a quality and equitable education for every single student within this district um, which will have compounding effects upon our city overall so i hope you all enjoy and with that being said the last thing i want you to hear is go vote peace what's up y'all hello chilling 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 this this already feels a little bit different from a normal like candidate forum or whatever you know what i mean Sigh of relief. <laughs> I feel like I should go home and change it to some comfortable clothes. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, me too. I intentionally wore the sweats. Like, I know. was, I was actually wondering. I was, I was asking my husband. I was like, "Ooh, do you think I could just put my sweats on?" Yeah. That Yo, low key. If people know me, they know if I wear the sweats, I'm ready to get to work. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> if I'm in a suit, I'm just trying to look pretty. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel that. Um, I appreciate you both for being here. Um, just to give the audience a little bit of context, um, these are two of the candidates that are running for school board for District Four. Yeah. Um, right. which happens to be my district now, which is why I'm so excited to be kicking it off with y'all. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of questions actually about the area just because we moved in at two, at the end of 2019. So like right before oh. the pandemic happened. Yeah. So I haven't even really been able to explore. So I want to get to know a little bit more about the area from you all. Um, and mostly just to have a conversation. You know, I think oftentimes during school board races, Number one, it could get ugly. <laughs> you know, number two, we know that people are being asked to repeat the same talking points over and over and over again. And as, you know, in my role, I work with a lot of DPS alumni who mm -hmm. are under the age of 30. And one of the biggest things I hear about school board races, or really elections in general, is like, yeah, but who are they as people? Right, right, right. Can they interact with each other as human beings? Can we talk about the thing that we're really here to talk about, which is students? Um, and how do we kind of move all that stuff away? And I, I'm a firm believer that we can't do that unless we're able to have long form dialogue. Right. Um, and so that's what I'm hoping to have today. And you all so graciously agreed to do that for me. I know it's a little bit of a different thing and this is the first time we're doing it. Um, so I'd love to just start off just uh, 
tell the world who you are, uh, whatever that means to you, what that question means to you. And uh, you know what? Tell us, I'll be selfish here, okay. your favorite restaurant in District 4. <laughs> Dang, there's so many. Ouch. <laughs> Hitting them with the hard ones off rip. I got some more in my pocket, too, so y'all better be ready. I, I, do you want to go first, Michelle? No. I mean, <laughs> right now, that's a hard question because I'm tired of eating out. Yeah. So right now, my favorite restaurant in District 4 is my house. <laughs> that's a good one. Specifically when my husband cooks. Yeah. That That's that's where I'm at right now. What What's the favorite dish from your husband? Um, so what we're having tonight, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it sounds about right um, for this moment. And he's doing gumbo, okay. shrimp and sausage, sausage gumbo, and uh, catfish. Ah, so he cooks, cooks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm coming to your house. My wife says her husband is cooking. It's like, yo, we got some, like, I don't know, grilled burgers, maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, after, um, you know, so yeah, we've been married a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. This May, I will say, um, we'll celebrate 30 years married. Wow. But we've actually been together. Longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. childhood sweethearts. Wow. Yeah. I need some advice. Me and my wife have been together since we were like 15, 16. Um, Same. He was at my 16th birthday party. That's crazy. Yes, yes. Have y'all hit the threshold where y'all have been together longer than you knew? Than like, then we've been alive. Like, yeah, I was, we were trying to do the math around, <coughs> you know, it was 15 years before I knew my right. wife. Mm. Like, when would we hit that threshold of being together longer than we were alive without? each other right yeah i mean i've been i mean yeah because you know i was 16 yeah yeah and you know i'm okay with my age i'm 51 okay oh i just turned 51 happy birthday still looking to celebrate my 50th birthday yes um (laughs) once we get out of this pandemic (laughs) but yeah so like i can say now that i've been a bottle bomb longer than Dad, please forgive me. But I've been a Jackson. That's oh. my maiden name. Yeah. So, Michelle, who do you, what do you want the people to know if they can know one thing about who you are? Um, I believe that laughter is life. Hmm. And we need to find humor in the things that we do. Yeah. Even if it means us. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that. Love it. Gene, what's up, man? Oh, man. District 4 is such a big, diverse place. You're talking about Green Valley to Five Points. Yeah. And I can start at Five Points because, like, Well Street Cafe is the first place that pops in my mind. Classic. Um, I'm just going to go from Five Points. I'm just going down the list. And then you got Nola Voodoo Tavern, which I had last night, which is on York and uh, Bruce Randolph, another Black-owned restaurant that's really good. Um, some crab etouffee, some crawfish etouffee I had last night. Hit the spot after doing some campaign work. Uh, <laughs> going down through Park Hill, you got Mississippi Boy and Blazing Chicken. And um, I like seafood. I know Hook and Rib, but I don't know. I've heard some things about that place recently. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't Sorry. know about that. Four Friends is really good in Stapleton yeah. or Central Park. And out in Montbello, you have... Uh, Jamaican Jerk and Grill. I was about to check uh, that out yesterday. Uh, like, I just love, I'm Puerto Rican, so anytime I get some rice and beans, like, I'm all for that. Yes. Um, since Puerto Rican food is hard to come by around here, I'll do the next best thing, get some Jamaican food. Um, and then Real Dominguez is really good uh, Mexican restaurant. Like, I like their food. All right, so, so y'all, y'all know where to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just go to Michelle's Kitchen for the Yelp review. We out here. Michelle, tell your husband I'm going to have a cook-off. Y'all like to cook, too. Let's, let's have a little cook-off. That sounds like a nice little campaign. He's After this is all over, this is... So people know this about me already. If they listen to podcasts, I'm a I'm a chicken wing fanatic. And so, yes, give me some. And I know I told y'all... What part? What part? Well, I was about to I was about to ask you this question because I know I said I wasn't going to make y'all debate, but here's the debate. I've been getting a lot of issues, you know, on social media. I've caught a lot of heat recently. And quite uh-huh. frankly, it's causing problems at home, too. I asked this question. Drums are flats. Flats. Thank okay. you. Thank you. 
See, this is going to be a harder decision to vote for than I thought. <laughs> I thought that was going to be a harder oh, debate. All right, cool. We got them getting the sauce. Like, what's the best type? What's the best sauce? See, I've been, I've been, a, I've been like a mango habanero man lately. That's, that's kind of gotten to me. I don't, but I. Asked I just farmer. need a good fried egg. You need a fried. Lemon pepper wet. Lemon pepper. Ooh, yeah. I don't like the wet. What? I like dry rubs. Yep. Yeah. See, this is such a. Some blue cheese. I tell people. I try to tell people like you gotta get it. You gotta get them flat, well done, yes. sauce on the side, so you toss them so they don't get soggy while they're in. That's transit. what I don't like about wet. Yes. Is they get too. soggy. Get it on the side. It's a win. They didn't cook them right. <laughs> it means they didn't cook them right. Yeah, maybe. You gotta. You gotta know. You gotta know where you're going. Um, cool. So I love it. Uh, it seems like we're already in alignment and agreement with what we got going on here. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, something that, you know, we try to do in this podcast is we, we feel it's really important for people to tell their story. Um, and so I'd love for you all to each to share with me just kind of your story, kind of the journey on getting here. And I think with the underlying thought process around, you know, like how has your definition of success changed? your life and like what do you wish you would have gotten earlier picked up on earlier that could have helped you achieve whatever you define as success that's rough I wish I had this I had been convinced that going through the 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 process of just doing well in school getting a college degree going to work automatically means that you're successful Uh and that's just not true no matter what path you choose along the way um, no matter what, if you struggle in school or not, like we all have complete control of the outcomes of our lives, and we just have to have the the desire and the drive to make things happen. And hopefully, you have the support. And um, that's part of the reason why I'm running for school board is that to make sure kids are supported in our schools, mm-hmm. to make sure that they do understand that opportunity is there for the taking, and that we don't have to have some uh, lie about whiteness is greatness or mm-hmm. or this imaginary thing of what success looks like when it's individual, everybody has their own path. Everybody can be who they are and do the things that they want to do and maximize their success. However they choose to do it, as long as they have that support and understanding first. Yeah. Yeah. So um, something that I wish that I had, I had got a handle on or a grasp of or internalized earlier in life was having agency over myself. So that doesn't mean that I'm not a confident person. Uh Um, You know, um, so let me back up. So I got stories, y'all. So I, uh, my family says that I've never met a stranger I didn't know. Hmm. Like sometimes my husband has has to actually say, we are not talking to people that we do not know. Not tonight. (laughs) Don't talk to strangers. Don't talk to strangers. Stranger danger. But um, how that came about for me is when I was about 10, 11 years old, I started having panic attacks. Hmm. And, you know, through um, counseling, we were able to just determine that it normally happened when I was out in public. Mm-hmm. And it was when I was around people I didn't know. And mm-hmm. so we just did this little tool, you know, that I would say hello. And then they were no longer a stranger. So I had to process that in my mind, right? Yeah. And so that's why I can talk to anybody. Because I'm really an introvert. Yeah. yeah. Uh, introvert, you know, yeah, whatever. Introvert, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that gives... So And so I share that to say, just because I can talk to anyone and I can, I feel comfortable in different spaces... It doesn't mean that I always had agency over myself and knowing where I fit in because I've always championed the underdog. I've always wanted to make things better for others um, without really internalizing that for myself. I mean, this might be too raw and real for people. Um, but so that's kind of a lens that's the, not kind of, that is the lens that I view life through. Yeah. And so, you know, with my children, that's, that was very important that they have agency over themselves, that they understand, um, who they are, 
whose they are. Mm-hmm. You know, they come from good stock and they have to embrace it. They can own it. It's okay if they make mistakes. They have family yeah. there to support them. Yeah. And what I have, um, what what I didn't have, what I've been able to give our children, that's what I want to give all children, yeah. especially our black and brown kids. Yeah. And that's why I done what I've done in education. And like Jean said, that leads us to where we are right now. Yeah, yeah. Jean, how would you, like, when you think about what she just said, in what ways can we start to instill that type of self-agency for kids? I mean, that's purely where I got into the classroom anyway. I, I teach for that exact same reason, because I'm able to build relationships with kids and get more out of them than people who may not necessarily have a desire or want to build relationships and actually be be caretakers uh-huh. for kids that look like me and come from places like I come from. Um, I think it starts there um, with the people that we have in front of our kids, yeah. um, whether it's their families and the communities and, and, and the teachers and everybody in the building right. has to be advocates for our kids. Like, I, like the old adage, what is it? Uh, it takes a village. To raise a child, and and, and I, I believe deeply in that, um, and I, I wish I could push more people from from neighborhoods like Montbello and Park Hill to get into teaching, because then we have people that are boots on the ground and and, and able to tap into people's communities. Yeah, um, it, it's funny because. <laughs> Like even teaching in Montbello in Green Valley for the last five years, like kids get mad because, oh, yeah, I know your mom. I know your dad. Like, look, boom, his number's right here. I could text him right now if you want to. And and that closeness and that that, that, that relationship building that happens there is unbelievable. Even little things like showing up at basketball games or football games and doing things like that. The second that they see you in the neighborhood or even at the King Super, sometimes I'm trying to dodge my students. I don't want to see you. Like, oh, no, going down the other aisle. But I love them to death. But I just spent eight hours with you, so I need a little break right now. But when they see me in places that they don't expect to see their teachers, um, it helps a lot in terms of making students feel comfortable to where um, I'm taking on the burdens of, of a lot of people when students want to leave their other classroom because they're not feeling taken care of and they want to come sit in my classroom. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. uh, My classroom yeah. sometimes is only safe space in the entire building for them. And uh, that's, 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 that's what we, we got to fix that. The entire school system, our communities need to be safe spaces for our kids to grow and develop and be the excellent people that we want them to be. Facts. Um, yeah. I mean, I think about it, like a lot. <laughs> it's funny you said like, "Oh, I got your parents' phone number right here." Yeah. You know, uh, you know, two of the kids in our house, the the teenager was kind of like she was annoyed. She was like, "I'm sick and tired of everybody knowing you." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I make it a point. Like they need to know someone's gonna be here to catch you. Like when you fall, and like just that feeling." And Michelle, like you were saying, like just knowing someone be willing to catch you allows you to take maybe one step mm-hmm. further on that on that rope, right? And how do we start to cultivate that? And I feel like it start. It has to start with us, right? Which is a big reason why yeah. I want to do this. It's it's also, um, you know, like because I'm the adult. Well, okay, there are some <laughs> other adults. I'm just <laughs> see. I told you, laughter is life, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, so that's like how I grew up. Hmm. Um, I remember walking home from school because that was when I'm actually a product of busing. Mm-hmm. But when I was in fifth. Yeah, fifth, whatever grades that was. I went to Columbine. Um, I remember walking home from school and I was kicking a rock. And a neighbor told me to stop kicking the rock. And I was just like, you know, whatever. And by the time I got home, my mom was waiting for me. (laughs) And she was like, so we're just disrespecting our elders now. Hmm. And I'm like, what are you talking about, yeah. Mom? We're like, how did word travel so fast? Right? We only got like so <laughs> I didn't even know <laughs> this lady. <laughs> right? But that's that village that Jean was talking about. Yeah. Um, they didn't know me, but they knew who I belonged to. Hmm. So that's why I said not only knowing 
who you are, yeah. but whose you are, right? Yeah. Um, it was nothing for a grandmother, an aunt, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> a cousin, an uncle to pop up at school. Huh. You know, um, and like, gee, sometimes I'm the only safe space. I'm the community liaison at our school. Um, and so kids just come in just to sit. Yeah. Because there's no, you know, there's nowhere else to go or the few other few black um, or non-white adults in the building are busy and they just need somewhere where they can just be. They don't have to be the troublemaking kid. They don't have to be the, um, I'm not going to say it like that. The exceptional, yeah. You guys know where I'm going with that. Try not to say that phrase, but you know they could just be a kid. Yeah, yeah. What do y'all feel that means now, like being a kid? Because I feel like there's so many pressures. Um, I don't even necessarily know if I remember what it felt like to just be a kid. I mean, I had to grow up fast. You know, a lot of these people had to grow up fast. Um. Yeah, what do y'all like? What should what does it look like in reality, and what should it look like now, particularly for our black and brown students? Unfortunately, now our students are being inundated with so many messages all at the same time. So many things are coming at them at once, where even adults struggle to process all those things. So, like, if you think about it, um, my daughter, my wife, and I have the nine-year-old and the six-year-old. And the amount of messages that they're seeing at such a young age, and they don't really know how to navigate everything that's available to them yet, like between YouTube and TV and video games and the constant messaging behind all of that. And then you got, I teach eighth graders now, and they all have Snapchats and Facebooks and Instagrams and watching the sheer amount of like cyberbullying and the things that like, Adults don't even, I don't even think a lot of parents really recognize the stuff that is going on in our kids' lives and the things they're being exposed to. Um, For whatever reason, some parents don't really know how to navigate those spaces themselves. Some parents are just busy. Um, Being a last-key kid myself, like I was like, my parents are at work, so I'm at the house just way too much than I probably should have been. And I was only made worse with the pandemic. Uh, you had kids at home alone quite a bit, who no yep. telling what they were being exposed to. So I feel like a lot of our kids are getting, are losing their childhood to where they can just be those innocent young minds that are just trying to process it and having fun. And they feel like now they're just trying to be the next social media star, and right. YouTuber, and just trying to do things for likes and not even understanding how they're, they're showing up. Like their student, I have a student, he doesn't even understand boundaries and wants to put his hands on God. Like, you can't yeah. do that. Yeah. You have to stop that right now. Yeah. And because that lack of boundaries exists or existed for so long, I think they're struggling with understanding what it looks like to operate as a decent person amongst other people because they've been alone for so long. Yeah. I, I think that um, in addition to the things that Gene said, that it, it's less of, for me, it's less of a, a problem with the children Hmm. and it's more of an issue problem with the adults because we're superimposing Hmm. adult ideas and Hmm. concepts Hmm. on the children Hmm. and we're not letting them be children. Hmm. Right. So instead of teaching, like, for example, boundaries, you know, we're, we're, we go about, um, you know, go back to the agency, having agency over yourself. You are responsible for yourself. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean I'm not saying, please know that I'm not saying that they don't have to be accountable and respectful to parents. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're, we, this being is what we have control over. Mm-hmm. I can't control what anybody else does, but I can control myself. And if I don't want something done to me, mm-hmm. I have to assume nobody else wants that done to them. And let's not, not getting into that sexual harassment Mm -hmm. and that's um, whatever else that just came to my mind. 
But just saying that's not being a good citizen. Mm-hmm. Like, do we have citizenship awards anymore? Yeah. Be a good person. Yeah. You know, but yeah. Yeah, no, I feel that. I think um, <laughs> I, I, I ran into all those problems as, you know, as an adult too. Cause like, yeah. sometimes I get mad at my son and then I'll have to like take a step back. It's like, wait, like you didn't teach him about that, bro. Like right. you can't be mad at him for something you didn't teach him. <laughs> you know? yes. And like, I feel, I feel like it's this thing that's continuously perpetuated cause they're trying to process all this stuff. Um, and then, that brings me back to that success question mm-hmm. and, and in terms of education and you know we did a project um uh as Ednium in, in 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 partnership with Denver Scholarship Foundation we've been talking to some folks and something that we've heard a lot was like how much is the does the credential actually mean something like what is the credential of your high school diploma through DPS actually mean mm-hmm. um so like you know we have the conversation around like math and reading and all that kind of stuff but like are we determining our success based off of how many people we can move through and get that piece of paper? Or are we determining success on how well folks are able to actually be that good citizen that you talked about on the show? Like, and like, how do we start to shift that paradigm around what does it mean for somebody to be successful or to define right. that success for themselves? And then how do you measure it? How do you know if you're actually doing it? You know, And I don't have an answer to that question. I'm, I'm hoping somebody, or we could all figure it out collaboratively um, but yeah, like, are the metrics of success actually metrics of success, or do they seem to be inputs? My own personal opinion is that we're playing seeds. Like Michelle and I are both in education in different capacities, but we're both planting seeds that we may not even see those fruits come to bear till 10, 15, 20 right. years down the line. I had a like I've been whew, five years goes by fast. My second year teaching, um, I was a sixth grade math teacher. And uh, this young lady, she just refused to just really want to step up to the plate. But I'm like me, I'm not the type of person to kick a kid out the class. Like, you about to sit here and feel yeah. me. Like, because yeah. a lot of <laughs> times, the kids, that's what they want to get kicked yeah. out of the class. So, like, that's the last thing that I'm about yeah. to do outside of safety issues. Like, you don't. Y'all about to sit here and film me. So you thought you was getting sent to the dean. Like, no, you, I'm the dean up in here. I'm the <laughs> dean of my classroom. So, um, And then to find out three, four years later that uh, she's out in Westminster now, I think, for her school in Thornton High School, and she's thriving in a math class. Huh. And her dad posted something and was like, thank you for what you've done. You planted a seed then yeah. that she she is thriving in those situations now. Uh-huh. And And... Like this, the district and everybody talks about developing the whole child. I even sat on the whole child group with the African American Equity Task Force for DPS, mm-hmm. and like we're talking about financial literacy, which I know Ednium is really big yeah. about. Mm-hmm. We're talking about mental health, strengthening mental health, strength, social emotional learning, still high academic achievement, yep. and just feeling supported, physical well being, physical wellness, and all these things need to be incorporated into creating children who will be adults that can tackle the problems that they're faced with when they graduate. So success to me looks like somebody, whatever they choose to do out of high school, whether that's get a trade, go into career, become a real estate agent, go to college, go to the military, whatever they choose to do, that they can <coughs> proud and be proud in the fact that they're prepared for everything that comes their way yep. and that they can start laying a foundation for their kids if they choose right. to have them and set themselves up for a very prosperous <coughs> life going down the line. And we may not see that fruit until 15, 20 years till after they right. leave our schools, but we have to be confident in the, 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 the many tools in the toolbox that we have given them to be prepared for life and the problems that we don't even know exist in the future to tackle those and take it on full force. Um, it's going to be absolutely necessary. Yeah. yeah, I know for me, we have this conversation in our home uh, when we talk about, you know, Black excellence and what success is. And it's more than the Oprah Winfrey's. It's mm-hmm. more than the Barack Obama's. It's the James and it's, you know, right? You know, I have to, I always, there are just certain things wherever I'm in certain spaces. I have to give a shout out to my dad. Mm-hmm. He, when he passed away, um, he was a master, a, ret- a retired master pipe fitter, local 208. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But when he was looking out at his hospital, um, his hospital room, he was able to go over, he was at university and say, I worked on that building. Mm. This is what I did there. I was the foreman there. Mm -hmm. I did this. And then going down the list, when I drive in um, downtown, that's my dad. That's black excellence. You know, I don't know what it's called now. So I don't want to get the name wrong. Where the Nuggets play in Avalanche. Oh, Arena. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but I called it the Pepsi Center the other day, but the that, 16-year-old called me old. See, I didn't yeah. want to do that. <laughs> but yeah, but he was yeah. the foreman there to put in the plumbing wow. so that um, it could be converted into an ice rink. I mean, that's, crazy. that's black excellence. Yeah. Our children need to know this. They yeah. need to know that when you are a positive when you can contribute positively to society and you give back more than you take, you are operating in excellence. Hmm. I love that. I want to go back to it just really quick. She talked about just being able to laugh and smile. Like I was amongst all this thing, I want our kids to be happy when they go to school. (laughs) I think that's the biggest thing. Like no matter what they choose to do, I also don't want them to tie financial like money right. towards their happiness. Like they're fully control in control yeah. of being happy themselves and, and, and to tie that happiness to things that really do matter. And that's family, that's friends, that's yes. community and those yeah. things that really strengthen you to overcome a lot. So yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take that take that amount of love. So like with our kids. So our daughter is, she's a good student. She's mm-hmm. good at school in the framework that it is right now. She's yeah. she's good at it, right? Yeah. Doesn't mean that she's smart. Hmm. And people are like, oh, why do you say that? And I'm yeah. like, because she's just a good student. So when she was um, going off to college, um, my husband and I got a lot of pushback huh. because we allowed her to be, she went to Howard um, her freshman year I know HBCUs in the house. All three of them went to an HBCU. Um, it's a rule in our house. So if you, you know, if any kids want to come to me, you have to do at least one year at an HBCU. Yeah. But anyway, um, so we allowed her to major. Well, we didn't allow. She majored in her original major was Africana um, studies. Uh-huh. But remember, I said she was a really good student. Yeah. And she had a high aptitude for math and science. Mm. And what we were given, what we were told is, why is she not going into business? Yeah. She can make more money because she wanted to be a teacher. Mm. We didn't kind of see her go in that direction. Mm-hmm. But for us, it was like, if you're going to go to college, you need to study what you're going to do well in. Yeah. Don't study what's going to make the most money. Yeah. So the her long journey path she's not that old uh-huh. but um now she's working on her internship completing her master's degree in clinical counseling huh. and it's really cool to see that because she ultimately ended up just being a history major yeah. but it allowed her to explore um 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 ada i'm sorry y'all um American Disability Act. Hmm. You know, she did her thesis on that. She's published. Yeah. Um, But she can tie all of the historical elements into what is happening social and emotionally with our children because she specifically works with children. Mm -hmm. She does do adults. But um, she can tie that in because she understands the historical context. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, do what you like. Yeah. Study what you like. Yeah. You know, um, I got to just what? say about my other ones. Oh, no, go ahead. They, you have to brag about them too, otherwise you're playing So the, the, the <laughs> oldest boy, middle child, he finished his Langston University, mm-hmm. HBCU. Yep. 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 <laughs> um, and he's broad, broadcast journalist. And he actually made a post um, I think it was his sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is the first time I've been in school 
where I actually enjoyed wow. what I was studying. It took you a sophomore year of college. Mm-hmm. Well, because see what exactly. Yeah. And then when it was time to graduate his senior year, he was done with his program because he loved what he was studying. Yeah. So his challenge was what um, electives do I take? He's, <laughs> yeah. He needed all of that. And the baby, um, he's 21, but he's still my baby. He's finishing his yeah, last baby. year yeah. <laughs> um, at Lincoln University, which is the first accredited yeah. um, HBCU um, with a political science major, uh, as a political science major. And he's going to go into law, which is, blows my mind because he's he's a real like straight up introvert yeah but a lot of that's hitting those books like you know what i mean he enjoys it yeah and that's just it he's doing what he he's studying what he enjoys and Mm -hmm. so he does well yeah and we have to get to that place enjoy what you're doing Enjoy what you're doing doing. and a piece of that makes me think too like back on the the village conversation you know, so like when I went to college, right, like, you know, my story's, you know, been told on this podcast, but, you know, my wife and I had my son when we were 16. And so when I finally get into school, my mindset's not go find something you like, bro. It's yeah. Right. Right. yeah. How do I pay these bills? You know what I mean? And uh, I just wonder if we can give people that safety net, knowing that they have parents that are going <coughs> to catch them allows them to pursue that a little bit more. You know what I mean? Does it give them a little bit more bravery to say, you know what, I'm going to go study this thing because it's where I'm passionate and I know people are there to catch me should some. I mean, that's why I'm able to do Adnium is because I had a community of people around me all of a sudden that said, hey, go try it. You know, we'll catch you if you fall. Right. And quite frankly, we'll respect you more if you if you try and fall than if you don't try at all. Um, which is kind of a bar. See, we're in the studio. We got to get the music going. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um. <laughs> I think we're talking about equity when, we, when yep. we're having Absolutely. that conversation. Uh, we need to make sure that every single child or even young adult, like I, I, backing up, I think preschool kids and even college kids also need to be having have access to equitable um, opportunities where they're getting everything they need to be successful. Yeah. Because it's just gonna do, it's not gonna do anything but uplift the communities that need to be uplifted yep. when we're supporting the kids in those communities to, to, to be their absolute best. Yep. Um, we shouldn't be facing a situation where we have to pick and choose yep. because then we, that's where that we start losing that joy. Um, yep. And there's some success stories along the way, like, like hearing your story, you're able to do a lot of things, but far too often, unfortunately, I, to, from my experience and what I've seen, that's the exception, not the rule. So we have to make sure that what we're talking about in access to opportunity is the rule. And that's what's happening. And my wife and I try to model that all the time. Like my wife is an amazing poet and playwright, award-winning playwright and things like that. So just to to model what it looks like to follow your passion and have the support that you need is what I try to model every single day. Um, for our two kids as well. Like my daughter just opened up a, like we had pro tools and I just hit record. She just started spitting. I was like, Hey, you got your mama in you for real. (laughs) And just nurturing that and still expecting her to do well in school and supporting her with whatever she needs, but also kind of developing and nurturing those other things that, that bring her joy and happiness. And we need to make sure we're doing that across the board for our kids because that's only fair. And that's where, um, in Colorado, for example, most of the people who have college degrees are not from here. Yeah. And our education system is failing far too many native Colorado people, yeah. native Colorado children. So we need to make sure that we're changing that and make sure everybody has access to what they need to be successful. That's yeah. kind of like, you know, I've been watching the campaign closely. Obviously, you've been watching the school board and you see equity get thrown out there. You see community get thrown out there. And I think uh, like that, the type of conversation that we just had, right? Like the very nuanced, distinct around like what does equity actually mean Mm -hmm. as opposed to it just being this like tagline 
or I always argue like, yo, look, like community's not a political bargaining chip. Like you don't just throw community on the table and say, yo, we talked to them and all the black and brown people agree nope. with this policy already decided. And so like you should kind of like be quiet and just like make it move. It's like, how do we put them, us, really? Right. You know, at the forefront, at the implementation table, at the follow through. Right. Um, as opposed to just kind of like this, the cliche of the check to the box to be checked. You know? So for me, community is relationship. Absolutely. And that's what it comes down to is you have to build the relationship and you have to build the relationship with people that don't agree with you. Yes. How do you do that? How do you build relationship with people you don't, that I, don't agree with especially you? Especially from... You find, go ahead. I'm sorry, but like, especially from... Uh, and I got another question for y'all coming, but like... <laughs> The political system doesn't seem to be set up for people to be able to have and build real relationships. So like being in even the position that you're in, how are you able to build that community with people that disagree with you um, and help others do the same? I guess is my question. Um, it For me, it's about building its relationship. Yeah. So you peel away all the distractions mm -hmm. and you get down to dealing with each other as individuals. Um, I I don't think I'm going out on a limb when I say this, so hopefully I don't embarrass myself. <laughs> but I think that that's something that Jane and I have done. We're yeah. just, we're people, we're yes. human. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, we're all, we're both um, striving for the same thing, mm -hmm. but it doesn't take away our humanity. Yes. You know, and so mm -hmm. that, and that's what it is because when you can connect with someone on a human level, mm -hmm. you realize everything else is a distraction. Absolutely. And then we can have those honest conversations mm -hmm. because we have relationship. And so now it's time for real talk. Yeah. And respect is still there because part of that relationship, you have mutual respect, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, honesty is involved in that. And I think that oftentimes we want it now. Mm. You know, we want to pop everything in the microwave yep. and get it done. But there's something to be said that if you warm your food up in the oven, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, yeah. it just tastes better, it really right? It does. Yeah, but um, we heat pizza in the oven versus the microwave. It's, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so for me, that. That's what you do. That's what I, that's what I do. Yeah. You know, I need to understand who you are as an individual and for you to know who I am as an individual. Now, does that mean that we're going to be bosom buddies? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Mm -hmm. But one thing that we will have is mutual respect. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to turn my head when I see you mm. and you're not going to turn your head when you see me in public. Yeah. Because of that. And I hope we can facilitate more of that. Yeah, I mean. It starts with this. So thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both for being like, yo, I should pause and say like how much I appreciate number one, y'all being the first to do this, like with us. Um, and just like the opportunity to sit down and be vulnerable with y'all for a little bit. Um, Cause I'm telling you like people, I feel people are hungry for the oven reheated pizza. Mm -hmm. you know. yeah. Yeah. Communities needed. I mean, yeah. I know the conversation was around community. First and foremost, like, I remember reading uh, Parting the Waters, which is the history of America during the King years. And I can't remember the Senate. There's a statement in there that talks about the brothers that leave Morehouse or any institution to get an education, they get they're fortunate enough to get that education. But if they don't turn around and give back to the communities that they right. came from, they're no different than the, the the people that are in power, kind of upholding this system of oppression that exists. So uh, we that that's first and foremost. We can't run away from the communities that created us. I think that's huge because a lot of times, just because I like to use my bellow because that's where I'm from, a lot of people try to run away from my bellow. Instead of just trying to strengthen the vast beauty that exists out there. So, I mean, Montbello stands for a beautiful mountain, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, we have to make sure that we're in these neighborhoods and strengthening the community and allowing our kids to start to feel pride. Yeah. Like, it hurts when I hear 
10 year olds and 11 year olds call my Bella my ghetto because that's what we got called when so I caught the bus to Smiley and George and we pulled up oh there goes the Montgomery bus like like we have to kind of disrupt some of those narratives around our communities okay um, first and foremost but I'm of a certain age <laughs> so um yes that was a thing back in the day that we called Montbello my ghetto. Yeah. But it wasn't um, it wasn't necessarily a negative thing because how Montbello actually began is that was the suburbs for black people. Mm-hmm. Right? So I didn't grow up in Montbello. I grew up in Northeast Denver, mm-hmm. right? It's not there anymore. It's an apartment building, but there used to be a YMCA there. Um, and so that's the area that I grew up Mm. in. Um, and so that's, instead of fleeing to Aurora, Mm. Montbello was built, right? Mm. And then, um, when Montbello became populous, I won't say to capacity because, you know, in the past 15 years, there's been a lot of construction and it's over now. But anyway, the Green Valley Ranch, you know, was next. So that's kind of some historical context. But now it is a negative thing. Hmm. But when it started, it was just because Montbello kids thought they were better uh, <laughs> than the Northeast kids. Because it, like the yeah, it was the new suburb. So mm-hmm. that's context around that. But it has turned into something different. And I will say that um, even though that's the historical context, yep. I will say that yes, there it that it is hurtful, right? Yeah. No, I, I feel and we it. and my generation, we have to own that. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely understand, you know, I went to Lincoln, so like Southwest Denver, and it's interesting that um <laughs> I was getting mad because I'm like, yo, all the good football players from Southwest Denver are leaving. Well, it's because they don't want you to at least in my day, if that means anything. Um, you know, if you if you could play sports or you wanted a good education, you went to Bear Creek, the mm-hmm. Jeffco suburb right next next to you, or you went, you know, you didn't go, or you went to Mullen or whatever. Like the the same type of sentiment was centered around like Federal and Evans, as I would hear around Montbell, at least with people living there coming mm-hmm. up, and a lot of people feeling like the Brentwood Center is something to move away from. As opposed to moving okay. to, yeah. So Montbello used to be Montbello High School. It was Montbello High School and George. Yeah. GW. Those were the two. Like the rivals. They had the best sports teams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, this is back in the eighties, and I can remember, um, if you were a star athlete, especially if you were black. Mm-hmm. You either went to Montbello. Well, you did go to Montbello mm-hmm. um, if you played football. And so their coach at the time, he would recruit, like, from mm-hmm. the Little League. You know, he yeah. would watch them, you know, stay in touch with them, make sure the families were okay. Community, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then Montbello started rising because they started beating some mm-hmm. Cherry Creek and taking state and doing all that. And then the way he was recruiting his players became an issue. It was no longer able to do that Hmm. communal stuff. You're winning too much. Right. And so then because DPS didn't have, I'm not going to even say that it's specifically DPS, um, but when he was no longer able to do that, that's when you saw um, you know, Matchbub, Molin, mm. because mm. see, they could offer what he was offering our community. Yeah. Whereas before, our community was taking care of our community, our community right? That's interesting. And so there, there's policy around that. So when we talk about white, white supremacy within the policies, yeah. those are some of the things that we're talking about. And it's historic. So like I said, I'm of a certain age. So they're right. just, you know, things. It's important context. I mean, like a part of me wishes we had like a history of Denver class in, in school. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, again, like coming from Southwest Denver, I didn't know that like, there were a lot of great people that came out that are doing some really yeah. crazy things. I yes. Mean, um, and it makes me mad that I'm just now learning about them, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so it's like, man, like there's excellence there. 
exactly. in our backyard, like you said, right? Like, I wish you knew more about that. You can look at like a president. I think I think Big John is the president of Warner Brothers. Really? Uh, Don Cheadle graduated from East. <laughs> yep. Um, Mayor Hancock, you know, Mayor Webb, and all these brothers graduated from Manuel and like the excellent Chauncey and all this excellence that came out of George Washington. And I don't feel like we do a good enough job of kind of elevating that, like regardless of every every hurdle that's been thrown in front of us <laughs> along the way, whether that's busing or desegregation or or. Some people feel a certain way about charter schools and all these things. Like we still find a way to send the big best, get the best out of our kids and, and elevate them. We just need to make sure more of our kids have that opportunity right. to do that. And we need to elevate and reach out to these folks that made it through. And hopefully they can each one teach one. You start seeing one brings on two, two brings on four, that exponential growth that we need yep. in order for our community to be really strong and to, to avoid the impacts of things like gentrification and yep. over-policing. And I can go down the list of all the, the systemic oppression that, that occurs across the board. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I completely agree. And I know we're uh, getting up on time here, shifting gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am fascinated with the process of like elections. I've, I've in my young career, I've, this is like the second school board election I've watched. It's a different tone this year, I'll say, from the last one. But something I would like to know is. Uh, Just get ready, put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, if you had a, if you made a movie or a song about what it's like to be a school board candidate, what genre would it be and what would be the title? Is it a horror movie? Is it a funny movie? A drama? It's, it's all of it. It's all of it. <laughs> it. It depends on who's yeah, who, what day, <laughs> who shows up, how you show up. Yeah, so it's a thriller. What you've it's been. A, you don't know what's coming. You don't know what's going. It's a suspense. Yeah. It's a yeah. suspense. Fiction. You never know. Yeah. What you are gonna get, like it's like a Forrest Gump, and life is like a box of chocolates. chocolates yeah, like you just don't know what's gonna happen. Like to be honest, this is me being candid. Like I open up my mailbox, and I'm like, oh, that's my face in there. Or, and then what does that feel like? It's weird, especially when it doesn't come from me. Mm. And then like one of them was like about me, another one was like misleading and pretty just saying lies about who I am and my character. I was just like. Mm. This is very interesting. Yeah. And like like just just seeing my wife getting cropped out of a picture on another advertisement. Like mm. like just little things that you don't expect. Yeah. When all you want to do is serve kids and, and do the best for the communities that you grew that you grew up in. So yeah. I guess it's suspense because you just don't know <laughs> yeah. what's behind door number one, John, and it's just a surprise. So yeah. I but think it's I'll like leave a, it there. Um I'm trying to think of the game. Never mind. But yes, I don't look at that stuff. Mm. That's that's just the choice that I've made. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't participate in it. Yeah. Um, because I'm at home. I want to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is interesting. I think there's one thing that people don't always understand if unless they're like engaged in this world that like it's not necessarily you sending out right. every mail piece, right? It's not about somebody else or even about yourself oftentimes, right? There's like so many different like parties and things coming along, tugging and pulling, yep. and, you know, trying to control the narrative and X, Y, and Z. And if the only thing, the only, if the only experience I got out of you was some, you know, flyer and, you know, whatever, you're like kicking a dog or something yeah. like that. I'm like, oh, this guy's a jerk. I don't want to vote for him. Um, it's a billion is, dollar industry. It's that's crazy. Why. That's what it is. It's crazy. And this is at the school board level, right? Like, not to mention, we were going, <laughs> we were doing the, uh, one of our leadership programs during the presidential election. Um, and I was expecting there to be a lot of discussion around the presidential election. And then, but it wasn't. A lot of the discussion was, uh, they're asking me to vote on all these tax bills and I don't even know how they impact me. Like, I don't even understand how to do X, Y, and Z. Um, and there was like just this obvious like inherent mistrust of politics in general and like the politicians mm -hmm. where nah, we already know they're kind of like 
almost like not real people almost was kind of the sentiment. Uh, how did how did these things work? You know what I mean? And so like as as people are sitting down to vote, and I'm not ask necessarily asking y'all to make a pitch for yourselves, but like when when people, especially young people, I'll still put myself in that category, are sent down to vote maybe for school board for the first time. Mm-hmm. What type of mindset do they need to come in? What, what should they be thinking about as they make these types of decisions? I, Go ahead. ahead. No. <laughs> um, you can go. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, like, it's different for, I think it's different. Yeah, it's different for everyone, and you just have to do your homework. Um, And, yeah, it's it's tough because you do have to do your homework. Like, what we do as a family is um, when we vote, we we sit down, we look at what's on the ballot, Mm -hmm. and this is how we chose to involve our children in the process. Yeah. Everyone has an assignment Mm. and they have to research whatever their assignment is. If it's a candidate, you know, if it's judge, if Mm -hmm. it's a, um, a ballot initiative amendment, whatever it is. And then they give the pros and the cons. Mm. And then they state how they think we should vote as a family. Mm. And then we have a debate. So voting in our house it's a real thing. Takes some time <laughs> yeah. because we have we we have a true conversation about that and we started doing that when our daughter turned 18. Huh. Um Yeah. Um that's awesome. And so my kids you know, are about to be mad, be mad at you because I think we're about to implement that same policy in the house. You know, you can you you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait till they're 18. Get them involved now. Yeah. So that they're prepared. Yep. Um, I would say that our youngest one began that process with us before he was able. Huh. Uh, actually, he registered to vote at 16 yeah. to be able, because you can do that. Yep. You can't vote, but yes, you can get registered so that when he was 18, he was to good to go. So he was involved yeah. in the process. And you, you just can't be afraid of it. Yeah. Um, we have more power mm-hmm. than we think. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to let things happen to us. Absolutely. Just to piggyback on that. First of all, do your homework. Teacher. Don't let anybody like man, I can't tell you enough how how, how important it is to do the research. And not just for the president. Mm-hmm. Because believe it or not, the things that impact us directly are happening in elections like Michelle yep. and I are in right now. Mm-hmm. The ones where it's like not even half of what elects the president. Mm-hmm. So really get actively involved in understanding what it takes to be in the school board and what decisions are being made on the school board level. Right. What your city councilman is doing and what how important that is in terms of changing the dynamic of neighborhoods with like zoning code and, and, and uh, land use and things like that. All that comes... How many people can live in a house? Like all that comes yep. from the city council level. I just Maybe, learned about that. By the way. Isn't yeah, that crazy? Maybe so mad. I was yeah. like, I'm yeah. about to do whatever I wanted. No, 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 no. I used to be. You can't. I used to, and that's why this is important to me. And anybody, whether I win this election or not, like I used to do code enforcement. Where I'm knocking on people's door and telling them they can't park in their yard. Yeah. No, you can't be a mechanic out of your garage, and you can't have more than two unrelated living in the house. Like I was that guy knocking on your door writing tickets. Mm-hmm. And I also worked for the Department of Labor where I saw the value in union jobs and how you pretty much protected across the board if you get into a union, especially in trades. Yeah. So like taking those things and understanding where the decisions are being made and how your state government, your local government are actually more important than the presidential election because that's the stuff that's going to impact your everyday life. So if I'm going to give one thing to young folks, saying you turn 18, get involved, do your homework, don't sit on the sidelines and then hoping for things to get better because we do have the power, like Michelle said, to really make some things happen. And if we do our homework and show up to the polls when it really matters, not just once every four years, but every single year. Every year. And show yeah. up with someone. Yeah. You bring someone with you. Yep. Some fours with you. Which seems to be the theme of the entire conversation is that community piece. It's community, right. Bringing each other up. I love it. So 
you know, I think the crowd probably already realizes this from me is that I respect the hell out of both of you. Um, I understand that it's a voting thing and whatever, but I do think that we're in good hands regardless. I know we're missing some folks who's also on the ballot who are <clears throat> trying to figure that out. Um, to close it out, though, I, what I would like, <laughs> what I would like for y'all to do is, uh, if you had to introduce each other, uh, the other person, especially, I know y'all spent a lot of time together, and I know we just had a really great conversation. Um, and I'll start with you, Jean. If you had to, if you had to introduce Michelle, how would you, how would you introduce it with all that you've learned about her? I feel like I did this like a week ago. Um, <laughs> Damn, I, I was original. Do better. So, do better. So, <laughs> so you know better. Do better. <laughs> um, be I'm, not, I'm not talking about the policy. I'm not uh, talking about that Like yeah. as a human. To be honest, the more that I hang around the show, I'm like, okay. Like, I see the passion she has for the kids and the conversations that we've had regarding like how we have to show up inside of our schools. Um, so I appreciate the care. And if you all have not realized that she is a very nurturing and motherly um, person, and she wants to make sure the kids that she has um, responsibility for are all right, and not just her own, but all the kids that she interacts with. Yeah. Um, and, and, and she has all, she has the best intentions across the board for what is uh, best for this district going forward. So uh, I appreciate her kindness and her respect and, and the fact that she wants to make sure everybody's okay around her. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so first I would just say what I always say, Gene is a really nice guy. Mm. He is a really nice guy. Um, he cares about students. He cares about community. Um, he's not afraid to roll up his sleeves and do the work. Um, I'm learning that he's one hell of a teacher. Oops. Uh, we can cuss. I cuss all the time. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, and I have to say this. He loves his wife. Mm. He respects his wife. He supports his wife. Mm. And for me, that tells me the character of the man. Mm. Not, not his children, but what, what and how he pours into the woman yep. that supports him. Yes. Mad respect. Love it. Love it. And that's, oh, my goodness. So much love. <laughs> Uh, so again, I, I appreciate both of you, um, and I and I hope what people take away from this conversation is um, that we probably agree on a lot more than we probably even disagree Absolutely. on, at least at the foundational level. Now, the how we get there is, I think, where the conversation is, and y'all have plenty of time to argue about that. Um, but it's 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 it makes me feel good knowing that you know we're really deciding. We're the, the the decision that we make is built upon a foundation that upon which I think we can all collectively grow, mm -hmm. um, and I'm excited to see how y'all are able to work together regardless of of the results, um, and uh, I'm excited to help y'all and however I can. I, I think we got a lot of we obviously got a lot of work, to, lot do. Of work to do. Um, the blessing is, is that we have the ability and capacity to do something, and uh, so with that, I want to say thank you. Thank you. Peace. 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 And that's a wrap. All right, y'all. Those were two of the District 4 school board candidates, Gene Fashaw and Michelle Quattlebaum. I appreciate you both. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming through um, as we start this new series. I hope y'all took a lot away from that conversation and um, got a peek into who they are as humans, uh, a peek into the reality of what it's like to be a school board candidate, uh, as well as uh, the importance of voting. Uh, for really important positions in our city. For the Denver Artist Spotlight, uh, Jean's wife has so graciously uh, shared with us uh, her poem. She goes by, her name is Kenya. She goes by Mahogany. Um, this is Change Gonna Come by Kenya Mahogany Fashaw. Peace. My name is Kenya Fashaw. I am a spoken word artist, uh, a playwright, and just an all-around performer and producer as well. I am from 
the Park Hill neighborhood area, but my artistic roots are in the Five Points, Fulton Street community. The change gonna come. I raised my eyes to the sun, full, brown, and big, hoping the superpower of its illumination kisses this melanin, giving me strength to face this day, a brighter day, better days, better than today. A change gonna come, Sam Cooke used to sing. Well, Mr. Cook, if you were alive today, you'd be disappointed to see that lately we keep repeating the same old recipes, dishing out the same old bogus, but no more insanity. These woke eyes are focused. Third eye was never blind. Seeing through the hocus pocus of 2020 visions. I'm dreaming, dreaming of a future sliced in half by the blades of my tongue. So for sure, Mr. Cook, it may not be right now, but a change is going to come. We have to do the work for what it's worth. And I bleed community until there's nothing left. Giving birth to my voice. Shout out Five Points, Welton Street, and Brother Jeff for allowing this voice, this Black voice, to know nothing but power, love, and unity. Black mind, Black surface, Black heart, Black purpose will no longer be duplicated, suffocated, or ignored. You can't steal this liberation the way you stole a community. Gentrification, nostalgia, missing the old hood, 93 Juneteenth celebrations. My vocal cords will still speak freely. My voice, the rhythm to this melody that keeps society on beat without me leaves a future obsolete. And it can't hold peace until I'm seen in all of my essence as a queen. I dream. Dream bigger dreams than Dr. King, bigger than intergalactic galaxies, because that's how much space it will take for the stars in my universe to shine. And nothing will dim this shine, so my purpose is to spark the mind that shifts the world, dreaming to a brighter future, to infinity and beyond. Mr. Cook, full, brown, and big. I've kept my eyes raised to the sun. I can feel the vibrations of vibranium turning its power. And now I can finally see that change that you sung about. It sure is going to come.